This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Today on React Podcast, Sarah Vieira tells us about her new book, The Opinionated Guide to React. She breaks down her experience building large-scale React applications into 11 chapters of easy-to-digest gold for React noobs and seasoned pros alike. At the end of this chat, she blows my mind with both her unique approach to building her book and how she's building purchase parity power into every copy sold. Don't know what that is? I didn't either until the end of this episode, so you are in for a treat. Before we dive in, thanks to Infinite Red for supporting this episode. Having access to developers that know the direction React and React Native are headed can be a huge advantage to your development team, giving you more time spent satisfying customers and less time spent migrating from one state management solution to another. If you don't have developers who know React and React Native like the back of their hand, hire Infinite Red. Infinite Red has been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years, and they want to bring that expertise and industry connection to your apps. Infinite Red has a sweet deal right now where you get $750 for referring a new project. Get expert help from Infinite Red by visiting reactpodcast.infinite.red. Sarah Vieira, welcome back to React Podcast. Thank you. It is my third time. It's not like I've been counting. <laughs> I know. Well, okay. So I was doing some, doing a little bit of math. And I think like if you exclude Michael Jackson, who was like, you know, hosted the show, um, you're, the, you'll be the most. It's still, a lot of things, a lot of interesting things happen in my life, you know, like, <laughs> a lot of interesting shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I wish that that was a redeemable achievement somewhere like that, you know, being on the show three times got you anything. I'm I'm sorry that that it doesn't. But I mean, do you have T-shirts? Like I, I'm a developer. I would sell my soul for swag. <laughs> you know what? I don't. I should make a T-shirt for you, though. I feel like I feel like if anyone deserves it, it's it, it's you. Put it on Redbubble, so I have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna. True move. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. We're going to have to, we're going to have to make a, make a t-shirt just, just for you, just for you. What do you, what do you want on it? I mean, honestly, just the logo would be fine. And like three times or something like that. Okay. I don't know. All right. All right. I'll think about it it and I'll get back to you. I don't know. You just got me on the spot right now. (laughs) I'll use, I'll I'll, I'll use the fact that it's 11 PM, even though I go to sleep at 3 AM, but I'll use that. It's like, it's 11 PM, Michael. You can't just put me on the spot like that. I'll have to get some, maybe, uh, you know, if you're listening to this episode, shout out, tell us, uh, tell us what kind of design would be cool. We're going to make uh, Sarah a, a, a t-shirt for being the, the most guested person on React Podcast, just because I like talking with you so much. Oh, thank you so much. So you have, you just launched a book and I am super excited about it. Um, I haven't bought a copy yet. I'm going to buy it right after this, right after this conversation. Tell me, tell me a little bit, bit about it. It's called Opinionated React, which I'm super jealous of that domain, by the way. Um, and tell me, tell, me, tell me about it. If it makes you feel better, I bought the domain and I misspelled it, so now I have two. So do you want the misspelled one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. I'll leave, I'll leave the whole space to you. I like the... <laughs> <laughs> it's called Opinionated React. It's missing an N, if you want that. Just, just nice, hit me nice. up. I got you, fam. I got you. Isn't isn't that the worst feeling? Like you go to you rush to go get a domain real quick, and then like you spell it wrong, and you're like, man. Okay, you should know that I don't know how to spell opinionated properly. <laughs> so like every time people are like send me something, and I was like, can you email me at Sarah at, and then I go on like the pasty app that I have to go through all my things that I copied and pasted. And just go to like opinionatedreact.com and paste in. Because every time it. I try to write it, I can't. Like, you should know that, like, okay, to anyone who doesn't know, like, I'm not a native English speaker and I've learned through talking. So, like, I sometimes I just don't know how to write words and I'm like, but I should know because it's my domain. I love it. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't stop you from like buying it though, which I love because I've made that same, that same, uh, <laughs> mistake of eagerness well you know okay before we dive into what the book's about i just like bless you and your family for like not calling this like react best practices can we can we start from there because like there are that no shit best drives pra- me 
That would Nuts. kill everything I know about myself. My wife <laughs> would divorce me, and my mom would disown me if I called something best practices. <laughs> I don't think there's some, such a thing as best practices. I think it's like whatever works for you works for you, man. Yeah, like, I feel like it's just SEO bullshit, right? Like for some reason, it's like that. Yeah. Like people are searching for that stuff to like get get. I don't know, maybe like a like fast track things that they don't know about. But man. Like so many of the best practices that I see out there are just total horseshit. And even if they're not, I feel like you have to have some, like, there's got to be something in you that actually writes, and imagine, uh, assuming you didn't write the library, because if you did, I get it. But like, you didn't write this sure. library, right? Let's assume like you just use it and you're like, I know the best practices of this <laughs> library that I didn't write. Right. Like, like it's all right if Sebastian... And like the React crew, like have have strong opinions about like what is a better or worse practice, like in React, right? But like, yeah, they made it. That's valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if you're if you're like like a consulting React developer, like you don't know. You can say like these are the things that worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't no, no, I did not call the React best practices. Like, so it sounds like opinionated. How much shit I would get. But, like, <laughs> Like, I'm a woman in tech. Like, I would get so much shit. Oh, yeah, you would just get massacred. Oh, my God, I would get killed on the internet. <laughs> I would. I would, I would like, it, yeah, if you, if we were talking about your book right now and it was React Best Practices, I would, I would, I would worry for your life. We'd have to, we'd have to squash that episode. <laughs> okay, carry on. Yes. Yes, no, I would not call it React Best Practices. Okay, so, okay like, cool. So you called it opinionated React, which I which I freaking love. I think it's I, I think it's great. Um, kind of tell me about the perspective that you you have writing this book and like where the opinions come from. So like I've been using React for a while, and I've been using React in a gigantic application called Sandbox for about a year. And before that, I've used it in small projects, and I've used it in medium projects, and blah 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 blah. And I've used it to put into an Angular One app. <laughs> that was terrible. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was glued together with polymer i don't i don't know how oh my works. word i know so like you had okay not the point um the point <laughs> i still dream about it was like four years ago um <laughs> the point is uh like i've used a lot of things with react like i don't know what the best practices are like i know some things like but like everyone knows those kinds of things like I'm not thinking, I'm not remembering anyone, but like some, I don't know, like test your code and like stuff like that, you know, people sure. are like 10 best practices and they're like, test your code, name your components. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, mate. <laughs> Great. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So helpful. Um, point is, uh, like, I think there's a lot of like, so I think there's two types of applications and then two types of frameworks and then there's view. So like you have. Angular in which, or Ember, for example, in which everything is opinionated by default, kind of like Rails. Yeah. Yep. So it's kind of like you're writing JavaScript, but with WordPress on top of it. <laughs> I don't know. I've never used Rails. So it's like, it's like, like WordPress, you know, but for Java, I don't know. Guess yeah. It's, a, it's very like heavily structured, right? Like, they, yeah, they like have you have whole, all like... the opinions there and already all yeah. the packages come with it. So you don't yes. really have to think about like, what am I going to do for this? It's all there. Mm -hmm. It's fine. And then you have React, which has nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like kind of like a, a blessing and a curse, right? Like yeah. on, yeah, on one side, like we got into yeah. it because like React is so unopinionated that we were able to to do all of the things that we couldn't with these like heavily like guarded frameworks. Yeah. Um, but then on the converse of that, it's kind of like, well, now we have this whole community that does everything in like, you know, seven ways to Sunday. Like wh <laughs> what's good, right? Yeah. And I also like think like, that's actually one of the things that I mentioned in the book is like, the problem with React is that there are too many packages, but how can that be a bad thing? <laughs> that doesn't sound like a bad thing. That sounds like a great thing. You're like, yeah, well, <laughs> it's kind of daunting. You don't know what the fuck's happening. So like, yeah, that was one of the things. Also, another one of the things is like, so you have like use state, right? Okay. Yeah. The mm -hmm. middle one is view. What I want to talk about view is that oh, yeah. view, view has is not super opinionated like it's still just a view layer but it does it does pick their like quote-unquote sites like if you go to the view website you know that you like you can use react router and it, sorry <laughs> view router and it's maintained and kept up to date with view 
Like, sure. you can use whatever you want, but this is what they, like, tell you, like, we know this is a thumbs up, and VueX is the same thing, which is kind of like a state, the, state, the de facto, almost, state management for Vue. So it's like, you have kind of the best of both worlds, yeah. in which you have all the flexibility you want, but you also have a core team being like, maybe this is good. You may not like it, and if you don't like it, there's other options, and you're not blocked by it. But maybe you'll like it, and then we can be friends. So... And I think my idea was a bit like trying to at least put my opinion, even if the things that I choose are not the best ones, there are at least one that you can look at and see. And yeah. also, I, uh, my thing is that I think hooks are kind of hard, like not use <laughs> state, but use effect is very confusing. It and is. There's a lot to know. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to also go like deep dive on hooks in general, because... I think that's actually quite confusing. Like, there's a lot of hooks that are quite confusing, to be honest. And I wanted to go, like, deep down on some of them. And I learned a lot about use, use effect, to be honest. I did an entire talk about use effect. Yeah, well, it's really, it's really interesting, right? Because, like, you know, use effect replaces so many of the component life cycles. And it does so in an extremely nuanced way. Where you, it's like you have this one API and you're like, oh, sweet. Like, this replaces so much stuff. And it's like you have to know so much about the yeah. ins and outs of like how and when and like what things to pass into it and why. Did you ever return null from a use effect? I think that was the funniest shit that ever happened to me. Is that I returned <laughs> no, null No, what happened? It says destroy is not a function. Whoa. It's like, like, what? <laughs> or your return function returns null. Something like you have to return null in a specific way. That's okay. Sometimes you're like, you're in a function and you just return null. Like that's what you're used to do kind of. <laughs> so you're like, oh, return null. Destroy is not a function. I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck? I'm sorry. <laughs> like, All your base are belong to us. Yeah, and it's just like there's a bunch of like small nuances about stuff like that that I wanted to get into. Also, like for my own learning a bit. Yeah. And to see if I could understand it and if I could explain it. So I think that's the only way you can truly understand it. That's why I even did the use effect talk before I released a book to see if what I was saying actually made sense. Yeah. I haven't seen this talk, so t what's the high level of the uh, the use effect talk? Uh, it's basically me fucking over with use effect for 45 minutes <laughs> and being like, does this make sense? No, let me explain why it actually makes sense. Yeah. Why does this say destroy is not a function? <laughs> because you cannot return null from an effect. Like, it's basically a lot of stuff like that. And, like, also yeah. going through, like, how you can use use ref to, like, only run an effect after a component changes. Right. Because I think that's also very confusing in which you're like, okay, this is going to run when it changes. And then it runs on starter and you're like, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> and then it makes sense. I think my main discovery in the beginning when this effect came out was that I was like, oh my God, I don't have to put an empty array. I can put anything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can put... You can put lol in it, and because it doesn't change, it doesn't matter. Yeah, anything that doesn't change, right? And I think that, honestly, right in the beginning, I don't think it was right in the beginning, I think I'm exaggerating, it was probably like a month afterwards or something <laughs> like that. Like, easy. Um, like, when I realized that, it just opened up a new world that, like, a lot of the dependency things started making sense. Yeah. Because, like, it was just mentioned as, like, here's an empty array, use that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So what do you use? Do you use like lol or wat or, you know, you change it up every time? I work in a professional company, Michael. <laughs> I use YesLint disable exhaustive hooks. <laughs> I know. I have that like bound to like a, or I have certain like disable ESLint rules, like just bound to keyboard shortcuts because I'm like. I think that's also a thing. The more you understand about use effect, the more you actually use that rule. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really weird. <laughs> oh my god, we had this version, really old version of the CS Lint plugin that still did auto fixing and it broke prod and I almost cried. Oh. <laughs> because brutal. it set a dependency to like like object that value basically, but object was null. And turns out that we had a really old version. It doesn't do that anymore, probably because of problems like this. And I was sure, like, sure, sure. I hit my life. So, so you've been <laughs> at Code Sandbox for like a, a year now? Some, yeah, I joined maybe last more? March, I think, yeah. Oh, wild. So it's like 
year and a half. Holy shit, yeah. Or I guess it's still March, right? The coronavirus started in... It's still March, yeah. It's still March. Um, March so, 235. <laughs> so you've been there for a, a year plus, you know, 150 days. It um, may be my longest job. No, I'm kidding. Really? I mean, actually, maybe. <laughs> no, so no, much... I was more at another company. I was more time at another company. At my old company, I was longer. I was two years. Yeah. Okay. How how much has your work there? I mean, you've been doing React for a really long time, but how much is your of your work at Code Sandbox, which is you know an, an incredible undertaking? Um, how much that, has that informed the the kind of like chapters and structures and ideas in the book? I mean, it helped a lot. So like before I joined Code Sandbox, I was a developer advocate, like which means that I coded small things. So like, I didn't quite understand the complexities of like, I did kind of, and not really in React of making like really huge apps. Okay. And so like, I do think that Code Sandbox really, really helped in me understanding what are the complexities of building huge apps of like things that sound like a good idea, but then no. So like one example, fetching things using use query, right? Or mutating things using use mutation. Okay. Like I, I talk about that because I think it's a nice thing, but like, can you imagine all of our views filled with that when you have to make optimistic updates? Right. It's exactly that kind of thing that I think I learned a lot, which is like sometimes the, like the easiest way, the way that you're like, just to, just to do that, that's easy. Um, you're going to cry after a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really fascinating, right? Because there's there's almost like two sets of advice for like any type of programmer right because you have that kind of like hey just be free like you know while you're while you're young in this thing like just do whatever you want do do it yeah. just have fun but then there is that shift where now you're working on this project and like everything just feels like super critical and like these you know a minor change can really mess something up in a really big way like, do you find that, I mean, we, we kind of jab at ESLint and all that kind of stuff, but do you, do you find that that kind of stuff becomes more critical in an application that is large and has like really heavy constraints around its like performance? I find that the thing that actually becomes more critical is CI. Gotcha. Because you don't run Lint or TypeScript or whatever every time you save, but you run CI. Yeah. So like, I think the thing that you kind of ignore in the beginning when you're making something is CI, like you don't really set it up. You're like, it's fine. I can tell when my site's broken. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I, I'm I'll, good. I'll click fine. around. I know when it's yeah. fast. Yeah. If I, if I get an error notification, it's fine. Uh, then I'll look at my Netlify builds and it hasn't deployed to production in three days. And I'm like, oh my God, what happened? Has <laughs> um, this happened with the QueerJS website? Maybe. Uh, point is, like, I think the bigger you get, the more there is a need to like um, stream the the changes in PRs and actually find a way to get PR builds and find a way to get like good CI that runs Lint and runs all of these things. Yeah. So that you can be sure that when you merge it, I mean, you are never sure, but you can be kind of sure that when you merge it, it's not going to break everything. <laughs> so I do think that the most value that I've seen, honestly, is CI. Interesting. CI. Now saves my saves lives man <laughs> oh yeah absolutely it, like there's nothing more like reassuring than like having having that set up properly and then getting the okay from ci because you're like okay well this is you know what's really sad our <laughs> our ci also deploys to um so if you have a pr you can and if you're like a part of the code sandbox repo obviously not everyone that would be fucking weird you can also deploy any pr to stream Oh, which is our uh, yeah, which is the staging environment. Okay. Uh, but the problem is, it's just like it never goes green unless you deploy it to stream. So it's like sometimes I'm just like, oh, it's still running. It's been done for like 20 minutes, <laughs> but I'm like, I never get the green. It's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> All I want always, is more green. Exactly. Always yellow, never green. <laughs> now, that, do you have um, checks in CI for certain performance metrics? Because mm. um, those are those are really things that you can't necessarily know when you're like in in development, right? Or like when you have like a runaway use effect on accident or or whatnot. Um, how do you check for those kind of things? Honestly, uh, we don't have a lot of. We have integration tests, which will time out. For example, we don't have a really high timeout. But we don't really have a lot of performance. That's which is something that we're trying to get 
better at. Sure. Because it's such a huge application that the thing is about the performance of Code Sandbox is that it also depends on what you're opening. Okay. So, like, if you open the React new sandbox, it's going to be, like, a hundred times faster than if you open the entire Code Sandbox repo. Sure. So, like... It also depends a lot. And for example, the dashboard doesn't... So for example, the editor is only loaded in the editor. We don't load VS Code anywhere else. So like if you go to any other page, you're like, wow, this is so fast. (laughs) (laughs) Page splitting. Um, Route splitting? Page splitting? Code splitting? Code splitting. Code splitting. Per page. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, we have some issues of trying to figure out like hard things like our... Um, are the sandboxes fast enough? Because it's a lot of the times it's not even like the change of code that's fine. The issue is that like VS Code is like three megabytes or something. I don't know. Yeah, Ibis has told me. So like, there's not a lot that we can do to like fix it. It's sure. really not in our like hands to fix it because it's like three megabytes. Like we can make everything else super fast, and like our dashboard is super fast. We just redid the dashboard. And we're also redoing the profile and stuff like that. And most of it is super fast. Our homepage is also super fast. But like, it's three megabytes, Michael. Like, yeah, that's it's a lot. Um, so like once it's once it's loaded, though, your like kind of actual coding experience kind of carries on pretty quickly after that, though. Or at least that's yeah. been my experience. Yeah, in general, yeah. Unless you run into some like weird issues with internet or something, it usually is pretty fine, but it takes a while to load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we even put on the skeleton, because people were like, is, like, is this... Um... Yeah, so now we have skeletons everywhere. Nice. We did kind nice. of fix it from the perspective of, uh, if you open slash S to create a new sandbox, we actually load you a lot of the editor in the background, so that when you click a sandbox, it's way faster to actually open it. Oh, nice. That's yeah. awesome. Very cool. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I want to get away from Code Sandbox for a minute. I want to come back to your book because I want everyone to buy your book and have a but really I, good time I, reading it. I get paid it. by commission. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can only eat if I talk about Code Sandbox. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Code Sand uh, not Code Sandbox. Uh, it's, <laughs> Thank you for wanting food in my table, Michael. <laughs> code Sandbox. Code Sandbox. Code Sandbox. Okay, did we get it in enough? Um, yes. Okay, I have three parts okay. for the rest of the week. I'm good. Carry on. <laughs> Okay, so you have this you have this book, Opinionated React. Uh, you just you just launched it. It looks. I want you to know that it's called Opinionated Guide to React, but I thought the domain was too big. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, You're the Opinionated Guide to React at opinionatedreact.com. And you talk about like all these really great. Um, I I just want to make sure that you know people people get to go there and you know send you send you their money so you can have have more burgers more burgers on the table. <laughs> So um, that my so burgers have... come from two different sources. <laughs> Diversifying, baby. Oh, so you have um, a number of topics that you cover in this book, and I just wanted to kind of like maybe high level on like a couple of them, and like you know the ones that maybe you have the most most opinions about. Uh, but you talk about, I mean, just as a a, a a teaser for the for the user, you talk about um, folder and filing structure. You talk about state management, project starters. Um, you know, packages, hooks, deployment. That's a big thing that a lot of people have so many questions about. And then just like lingo, like the, the words that constantly show up for React that kind of make no sense to anyone who's not in like this this cult of React that, yeah. that we've got going on. Now, one thing that kind of I think I have very strong opinions about and they differ quite a bit from other people is in folder and file structuring. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be fun to maybe talk about that one since, um, you know, I got you on and uh, this is something that we both kind of care a lot about in terms of the longevity of a project. Um, what is, What are some of your like high level takeaways in the book for like things that you should think about as your projects grow? Name your components. Because <laughs> if you use the React DevTools, it's going to be painful. It's going to be really painful. Learn how to use the React Dev tools. That would be nice. I never, I like, I, I, I can use them, but like, I don't know. I just do console log-driven development. It's just the way I oh, was yeah. raised, raised and born. <laughs> but they're really good. I use them today for like, yeah, I use them very sparingly. Not the point. Um, uh, so like, one thing, I am in the export default band. Like, I name my components and then in general I export them default unless they're like 
a types file, for example, or they're yeah. a utils file, whatever, mm -hmm. or they're an action for state or something. If it's a component, I export it default because VS Code knows there is no need. Like if you just name your file the same thing you name your ex your constant, VS Code knows what you're doing. Okay. So like you don't really need that like export something so that TypeScript or VS Code figures it out. VS Code knows. It's just easier. At least like there are some companies that use two two components in one file. Uh huh. But I find that weird. Just create another file. I have <laughs> issues with really long files. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, no, so, I I split everything. Okay. So you have so so just so I can kind of like wrap my head around it, it's always kind of hard to like visualize things that we're we're talking about. Oh, but yeah, but so in your case, like you would have a a unique file for every component. Okay, so what I'm working on, I'm working on a dependencies model, like where you add dependencies or consent box. We're trying to make it like better. Yep. Not yep. faster because it was really fast, but like can, so, so that you can add both and stuff, like two dependencies at once. I know, insane. Um, <laughs> and for example, I have a, a modal component, which is not called modal, it's the index. I have an sure. icons, which uh -huh. does export several things, which contains like okay. the GitHub icon, the home icon, whatever. And I have a dependency and I have a footer, which is the thing that has the button that says add dependency. Sure. So this is usually like how I try to structure things. Mm -hmm. So like it's more by the focus of it. Like okay. this is a dependency, like one of them. So I map it and then it's one dependency. The footer has another thing. So since everything is in the state, you don't, in the global state, you don't really need to like pass things around because everything's there, so you can just pick it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's usually how I do it. It's, yeah. I don't Interesting. So, so you mentioned you mentioned naming the components though for the uh, for the dev tools, right? So you have Yeah. So how does that work with like the export default? Like do you do like export default and then name your component like with or export default function and then like the name or do you kind of like name it and then export it separately? Yeah. Yeah, so for this case, it's like const search dependencies and then export default search dependencies. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so it has a name. I just usually, like, in all my years, I don't think... Oh, I also have a component for the search box. Um, like, it's very rare. Like, in all of these files, the one that I know I'll have more than one ex export is the icons. I know there's going to be more than one icon. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, I just put like const, whatever the name is, and then at the bottom, export default. Gotcha. Which at actually a code sandbox, we don't use that, but I do prefer it. Yeah. We yeah, export yeah. everything, uh, like export const at dependency modal footer, for example. Now, for people who like might not know that this is like what's causing certain, uh, I, I guess, legibility issues in the React Dev Tools, like what is it that you see when you don't? Name your component. Unknown. <laughs> I think it's unknown. It, yeah, it's like yeah, unknown. And it, like, does it show up in brackets or something like that? No, I don't know. we can test that. It's, yeah, we, can, we should. <laughs> no, it's not open anymore. I mean, I'm sure there's at least one of here, one of them that doesn't have one. Yeah, this is something that like is always kind of. Uh, I don't know. I know I've I've like run into that. I was like unknown. Like, surely it's known. Like the is rendering a component. How can it render an unknown component? Um, it's that bit. It's that same kind of like language as like destroy is not a function or whatever it was. Yeah, it says anonymous. I think anonymous. That's it. Yeah, it says anonymous. Yeah, we have a route and then anonymous helmet and an editor. Yeah, it's anonymous. <laughs> Which I'm like, what? What? What is this? Then you just click it and you're like, oh, great. But also, there's the problem of when you actually have an error in the console. It also says. Like, unless you have it really well set up, it will say anonymous component. Basically, it won't right. say like. This was caused in the add dependency component. We'll say this was caused in the anonymous component or something. Anonymous component, which is like totally unhelpful. Yeah, but I mean, you can fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I think that's a good tip because I think that one of the the reasons that you know people don't you know build uh, like a habit around like the, the the React Dev Tools is because a lot of times it can feel unhelpful because of all the patterns that we've kind of accumulated of like export default without naming our functions. No. And so you, you look at that and you're like, well, I can't find what I'm looking for anyway. So like, why would I use this over just, you know, console.log and, uh, you know, where I where I know exactly where I'm at. So another thing that I like, you can also do in the React Dev Tools, I think, is add something that like, um, wait, where is that? Actually, I don't think you can. I mean, you can find a way to do it, but 
removal fucking providers. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you can run name matches and includes provider. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I honestly, I feel like they, they missed an opportunity to call it remove all fucking providers because. <laughs> 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 fuck your provider son and it's like boundaries oh, yeah. and stuff like that like you can actually like it's really cool that you can like uh add components when name matches and then a regular expression yes yeah 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 Yeah. so you can actually do all sorts of stuff which is really cool and you can also show all stuff that's divs and stuff so that's nice right like you can hide or show just the host elements which can be really nice yeah you know depending on like if you're doing like a design thing or you're doing more of a coding thing you can kind of get those in or out of that tree as needed yeah yeah it's really nice it's just like i think it takes a while to get used to like keep using it like my wife really uses it a lot and i respect yeah. her for that um <laughs> Oh my god, there's so many providers. It's insane. <laughs> You're like, put console log for me, honey. Just all day. That's <laughs> All that's day, all I day, live. every day, console log. <laughs> oh my god, does it ever happen to you? I don't know, maybe it only happens to me. That I'm like, running next or something, and I console log something, and I'm like, why is this not showing up? Oh! Why don't I see my console log? Because it's in a fucking terminal, because it yes. runs in the server. <laughs> You're like... I am such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I've, 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 I've done that a time or two, for sure. <laughs> I'm not above it. I'm not above it. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> and, <laughs> Stupid, Sam. And this is exactly why you should use the React uh, dev tools and not console.log, like <laughs> like us, who are just failing at life right now. Completely. Like, so much time wasted staring at the console and being like, why is Next not logging me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so now this is going to, like, I, I feel like we should just, uh, just, just go into it. But, like, state management. I mean... It's it's been just heartache from the beginning, right? Like as soon as like as soon as Flux came out to like today, this has just been something that's just been plaguing React developers, new and old alike, or seasoned. Sorry, new and seasoned React developers. Hey, you can be both. Like I, I feel like I'm both. <laughs> um, and so I'm kind of curious, like what like like what are your big takeaways on like like the state of state management in 2020? I feel like. Okay, so my first idea is that with a lot of things, you can get away with context. Because I heard someone say that like context is not a state management tool, which is true, mm -hmm. but it has values that you can set, which is then makes it a state management tool. Point. <laughs> uh, I think context is something that you can get around with if you just like, it, but you have to make it a state management tool by yourself. Sure. Kind of. Because like, like, like this person said, I don't remember who it was. It's not a state management tool. It's basically local storage. Sure. So you'd have, but like you'd be using something like uh, you know pairing it with either use state or like use reducer, right? Yeah, exactly. So you have to create a component for it and blah blah blah. Which is why there's so many libraries about use context, like not libraries about use context, but a lot of libraries that just build upon this because we all end up building our own small little <laughs> library because we just want to use context. We want to use something else. And in general, honestly, if your project is like mid-size, so like if you have two, three stores, I would say it's fine. I mean, depending on the, how big your store is, obviously. Like, okay. Like I would say like two, three is usually fine. After that, it's going to be pain in the ass sure. to manage things. So like we, we and my side projects, if I'm ever doing something, I, uh, I usually use something called Overmind. Okay. Which is made by one of the... We actually hired this person. His name is uh, Christian Alfoni. Is uh, this really nice, amazing Norwegian man that works at Code Sandbox? And the thing about like the thing about uh, Overmind that I really like, and that a lot of people may not like, and it's something that I say upfront is like, this is mutable. If you don't like mutable, please carry on. Oh, interesting. I think that he's doing the work behind the scenes so you can make him mutable. And that's the reality of it. It's like view isn't actually mutable. It just does the work behind the scenes. So it kind of looks like it is. Um, and that's like, I think state management should be easy. Yeah. I, that's my, that's, that's my takeaway. It's like, and this state management is like, I can say state that workspace that dependencies equals like, an array and I just push to it or concat to it, sorry. Right. And that's it. Like, I don't have to worry about anything else. And it tracks the changes 
down the tree and it only renders the components I need to like re-render. And it's just like you're in the view, you call an action, the action changes the state and then it re-renders. Like there's three steps mm -hmm. and they're very like easy to spot. And I just think like it's so beautiful and like that I, I actually know where files are. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. But well, this is interesting because because Immer has uh, Immer has kind of a similar philosophy, right? Which is like it's much easier to think about things, and Immer's not a state management yeah. library, it's but a, it allows it's a you... helper for a lot of yeah. these like non mutable stuff, right? And it it does like the immutable work for you, but you get to say like kind of like push and use all of those APIs that feel like you're actually like doing something or like saying like do this thing that I need to be done instead of having to like open up all of these like new objects and spread everything all over, you know, yeah. to make sure that your new object has all of the same stuff as the old one, but you know, plus these changes. Um, so it's really fascinating to me that there's this like immutability is something that we want and we strive for in our react apps, but like, it's also a pain in the ass and it's a lot yeah. easier to think about things from like an immutable way. Definitely. Like that's I think that's what I've learned from using Overmind is that like I find it so much easier. It's like the website says, making you a happier and more productive developer. Interesting. I'll have to I'll have to check that out because I really enjoy the philosophy of Immer. Um, you know, where I'm able to where I'm able to use it. So it'd be fun to kind of explore that as like a state management state management tool. It also like if you use TypeScript, it's like it does all the typing for you. Oh, nice! So when you write, like for example, you have state that app that I don't know state that app that I don't know sounds like the perfect state you will ever have. Um, <laughs> if you type state dot, it will actually just show you everything that you have in the state, like all the stores. Oh, and it cool. does that for everything. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's awesome. really good. It's like honestly, it's the best state management I've used in a long ass time. Interesting. I had not up to this point heard of it. So I'm, I'm grateful that you gave me something new to play with. Maybe we'll have to have a uh, Christian on the show too, to talk about it. Oh yeah, definitely get Christian on the show. Yeah. That'd be super fun. He's such a nice guy. The Nordics are the best, man. The Nordics are the best. <laughs> I can't say that I know many, many Nor Nordics. I mean, they don't leave. It's a great place to live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it also supports state machines and GraphQL. By the way, what? Yeah, what? This is like the perfect thing. I'm, d I'm definitely checking this thing out. Yeah, it supports state machines and it also supports GraphQL, <laughs> and it, it's SSR nice. as well. Nice. Yeah, it has one add-on for GraphQL and one for state machines. That's the add-on for GraphQL is actually what we use to make GraphQL and Code Sandbox because it's way more maintainable. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Nice. Now you mentioned you mentioned kind of you know working in Next, and I don't. Uh, it, Code Sandbox isn't built on Next, is it? Oh, sorry. No, this is the website for my book. <laughs> okay, cool. No, perfect. Yeah, yeah. No, so you mentioned working in Next and the, the console.log thing, which brings us to kind of this, like, starters, right? Yeah. And, I mean, it feels like there's so many starters, but it feels like like kind of like Gatsby, Next, um, have kind of like dominant and, and React, uh, create React app, have kind of like dominated the space. I'm kind of curious, do you have boundaries for like when you recommend each to people or like, like, steer clear of this one or that one? I usually don't recommend Gatsby or, um, sorry, next to anyone who's starting out mm -hmm. because there is like, you're not, first of all, they're like, when one of them is not SSR, but it has the same idea of like, so there, there's no window and that can start to get really confusing. Sure. Yep. The fact that it runs on the server and then the client and also in Gatsby, I think the GraphQL part can get a bit confusing if you don't know Graph. Yep. Like the reason I got into Gatsby what, like super fast because I already knew GraphQL. So like, it was just like, oh, this makes perfect sense. But to someone who doesn't <laughs> yeah. know GraphQL, they're like, what the fuck yeah. is this? <laughs> yeah, it's... Why it's... though? Por qué? Por qué? <laughs> Graph, uh, sorry, Gatsby is definitely like a, I want to get better at, or I already know get, uh, GraphQL, that, like yeah. the framework for that type of person. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I think Next is like easy to use for something that's SSR, but it's still SSR and it takes a bit of a learning curve. Yeah. Because especially now it seems like they've broken out like the server side functions and the like client side functions. So you kind of have to. Oh my God. No, I love these slash API routes though. That's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think it makes. 
<laughs> I love it. Um, it makes it makes sense if you're familiar with the fact that this is rendering in two different environments. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of like thinking that needs to go behind it that you may not, you may have, or you may not have. So that's yeah. my main. It also like a lot of it depends on like, uh, does it matter? Like it didn't make <laughs> it didn't matter at all if we use next in code sandbox. It's like sure. You wouldn't be able to load a lot of it in the window, so you would just like slightly look faster. But like, it does make sense in the homepage or in the docs. Yes. Because you want to Google that. So like, and there we use Gatsby. But that's the same idea. It's like, does it matter? Yeah. And now, just just for to be thorough, like, Create React app doesn't have any type of SSR. Yeah. Uh, concept in it right now. No. Yes. No. Wait. That was stupid. Um, I mean, because I said yes, no, it doesn't have any concept. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> yes, yeah. no, it doesn't. No, it um, does not have any concept. It does have the concept of a service worker. If you turn okay, it on. cool. That's about it. Now that is, uh, Create React App is actually like the, the basis of the React project in Code Sandbox, right? Yeah. Cool. It's like a very slimmed down version of Create React App. Yeah, and this is... Like I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that that Create React App definitely seems like the best way to like get into it, and part of that is because of Code Sandbox, where you can like click a button and now you have a React app in a browser. You didn't have to set up. You don't have to like know anything about Node or whatever. If you just want to like build something using React or go through the docs, like this is hands down the easiest. You got like you got to log in and then you like press a button and like now you have a React app. Yes, also for few. I'm just saying, or Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got to get that. We got to get that code sandbox cheddar going for you. So yeah, like yeah, you, get, Gatsby, no, but yeah, Vanilla. I, do you do you have a reason one? Like yes, but I think it's really outdated. So let's not talk about it. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We take uh, it out. We we'll cut it out. <laughs> yeah, I do think that like not just code sandbox, but a lot of these tools like CodePen as well, and all a lot of them like really help people getting started because I think a lot of the things are issues with like kind of fear of the command line. Like it's kind of scary. Yeah. Like yeah. I once deleted an entire like operating system. Whew. I added a space <laughs> between dot and slash. Oh yeah. That'll get you. There was a space there, Michael. And that was it. <laughs> that was the doom of me. A space. Yeah. Linux machines. Yeah. Um, they're, they're very unforgiving. They're like, yeah, you, you know what you, you know what you're doing. Yeah, you want to delete the entire operating system, right? Yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. Okay, cool, whatever. And then it started failing a way through because it didn't have the command for RM. Right, <laughs> of course. But, yeah, like, they're scary, and they're really easy to screw up. So, like, I think all of these tools really, like, help, to be honest. Like, I wish I had these tools when I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I remember trying to get into Ruby on Rails for, like, as a new developer, right? And I was like... yeah. Okay, I'm going to try to get into Rails. Like, this is the future. Like, this is going to be awesome. And I just, I couldn't set up my environment. Like, I couldn't do it. Like, I, I understood kind of the concepts of, like, what Rails was trying to do. And, like, once I got it going, like, how it would work and what I would do to build an app. But, like, I couldn't, for the life of me, get an environment set up. And, like, this can be so demoralizing when all you want to do is, like, learn this new thing. And, um... That's what I love about the work that you're doing at Code Sandbox because it actually lets people do that instead of focusing on the the bullshit just to get to the place that you can do it. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember, but like two years ago or something, I made a website that was like, uh, what? What was the name of the website? Make front end shit again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know why that website was made? Because I went to this thing. I went. I was helping a couple of friends of mine that made ReasonConf. I was helping them with like you know, just putting mics on people and stuff like that. Yeah. And the next day there was a Reason workshop. So I was like, I'm going to do this. Couldn't get fucking Reason up and running in my computer. <laughs> I got so mad. I got like, yeah. I was just like, I was so frustrated that I made that website because I couldn't get it to work. Like I, I for the life of me, I spent like three hours trying to get Reason to work on my machine and it would not work. Yeah, it's very frustrating. And like a lot of times it's like people don't know how to help you. It's like, oh yeah, well, it should have worked. So... Sorry, I guess. The issue is like, I had an issue on my old computer where for some reason, if I run npm i slash g, like Lodash, like Lodash is not a good example, but like Netlify CLI, for example. Sure. And then I run Netlify CLI, it'd be like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, like I, look 5% above. of the 
times it would work for some reason. And all the other percent of the times I had to be like, NPX, Netlify, CLI, login. Because for some reason it just didn't work. So like if you, if you, if you told me like, you have to install this globally, I'm like, yep, not that, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Maybe you had an extraneous space and it was, you know, RM and, RMing your uh, operating system. I just need to know that I'm very lazy. I never fixed it, but I got a new computer, so that's fixed, I guess. I like this idea that you just get a new computer every time you nuke your operating system. <laughs> I bricked it. I yeah. it. Hey, this one's done. I need another. <laughs> no, it was just, it was getting super slow. It was really old. It was kind of yeah. old. It was like three years old or something. And for running like a thing like Code Sandbox, which sometimes you have to run the back end with Docker and everything. It turned oh, out yeah. pretty well because I started learning Blender and kind of needed a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, now one thing that's fun about actually working um, in Code Sandbox is is that you get those URLs. So, like you know, like you, you make something, and now it's like you actually have a website that you could like point people to, um, which kind of brings us to the notion of like deployment. That is super tricky for a lot of people. And like, what are the like, what are a couple things that you recommend for people who want to like actually take it, you know, from you know just their local environment to you know a production thing? For the, like, use Netlify. Or Zite. All but, day. Netlify or Zite. But I, I am dead serious. I had never deployed anything to the internet until Zite, I think. Like, I had, like, a personal website yeah. that I FTP the fuck out of. But, <laughs> like, the actual first... Like, I didn't deploy pretty much anything until Zite came out. That's what we're putting on your shirt. FTP the fuck out. <laughs> FTP the fuck out of that website. <laughs> um, oh, my God. I just love it. I love FTP. Sometimes I miss it. I'm just saying. But oh, same. Hard same. Yeah, I, I get like, super nostalgic. so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But then you had to fix a bug and it was so much harder. <laughs> yeah, you can just take your whole 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 site down real quick. Yeah, real fast, man. WP config, badly copied. There's um, no CI for FTP. <laughs> that's it. Million dollar idea. CI for FTP. Oh, shit. When you yeah. drag a file, it runs CI on that file. <laughs> Oh man, this is this is this is how we make our burger money. I know, right? I know. <laughs> One day we'll have pasta money. I'm telling you, oh. Italian dinner money. Um, uh, I have no idea what I was saying. But I don't scared. either. <laughs> but yeah, react. Oh yeah. Wait, no. Oh, deployment. Yeah, Zydornix. Seriously, like. If you just want to deploy something static, like you can just literally drag things into Netlify. Yeah. Like this is mind blowing to me that I can just drag something and it's on the internet. Yeah, that's that. It's like if you haven't had like worked in an environment where you have like a nice like CI CD pipeline. Yeah. Like going to Netlify and like just ho like logging in, connecting it to your GitHub is like holy shit, like, where's the, like, all of this magic coming from that's putting all of this stuff together? Because it's amazing, and I love it. And some, it's amazing. Yeah, so I would say just, like, Zite or Netlify, to be honest. Like, if you want to run SSR, <laughs> like, you have to use, you have to use Zite. Like, there are ways, but in general, you have to use Zite. Yeah. But, like, if you're running something static, just, like, take your pick, they're both great. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, what? I can just drag something? Like, I do think <laughs> that Zite is slightly more technical than Netlify, so it kind of depends on where you stand. Sure. Um, but yeah, like on both of them, you can deploy something in five minutes, and that's insane. Yeah, it really is. Do you know really how long is. my like, entire website uh, for the opinionated guy takes to deploy? 52 seconds. Oof, that's good. That's good. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm not even like ready to like switch over and like look at production after 52 seconds. I'm like still snacking at that point from like same, the hard work that same. I did. I'm just like... <laughs> It's done. It's still pushing in my machine, you know, because internet's shit. But on the other side, it's already live. <laughs> uh, hey, before we um, kind of like close things up, I, I just wanted to ask you like kind of how you're building your book, because I know you're, you're self-publishing all this stuff. And, um, you know, I want to direct people back to this book, because I think that it's going to help so many people, whether or not they're like new on the React journey or kind of want to gain the experience that you've gained building a, a really big application like Code Sandbox to get this book. But I'm curious, like, how you actually made it. Because, uh, you know, you're, you're a programmer. I'm sure that you probably did something fun. So what does it look like behind the scenes? So basically, I made a Gatsby website that renders a gigantic markdown file. Okay. And from that... No, wait, there's, there's a continuation to this. From that no, I'm excited. File, exactly. <laughs> I have like a print style sheet 
And then I okay. use Puppeteer to get the uh, the PDFs for that, which makes it easy for me to have like light and dark versions because they're just props I pass to the top of it. So if you go there and if you go to the local host that I have and you just pass in theme equals dark, it will render the dark version. <laughs> and um, what? Yeah, okay. and then it it gives you back a PDF like all compiled and everything. You can add a cover and everything. I use uh, let me just open the thing because I don't remember the name of the uh, actual package. Because I know, you know, that's that's how we live. We we just use these <laughs> just things fast and loose, putting spaces yeah. oh, where no. they don't belong. Uh, PDF lib. It allows you to create, modify. Like I even added, you can add the the folder, the the cover, and I even added a second page as like a dedication and stuff. You can do like pretty much everything. So wow. Basically, what it does is that it gets the pu puppeteer, opens the browser, takes a huge ass PDF. And you can add a margin to Puppeteer, and you can add header and footer templates. I don't have anything in the header, but I have the number in the footer. And then the PDF document just loads the book, and you can add whatever you want to it. And it's beautiful. And then I, I also have uh, EPUB Gen, which gets HTML files and turns them into EPUBs. Okay. Yeah, and Calibre does... The Calibre is a free application. Like, I used to use um, something called Kindle Previewer, but turns out that didn't work very well. So now I use Calibrate to make it from EPUB to Mobi, which is for for Kindles. Interesting. So like, so you go this route, and like now it's like super easy. Like, like I know that you have like a preview on your website of like if someone wanted to kind of preview what it looked like or like what a chapter might cover. Um, so it's like super easy then to just like go through and like just pick out a couple pages and generate that. Yeah, it's literally yarn generate book. <laughs> <laughs> and it it generates the uh, EPUB, the dark version, and the light version. And then all I have I have to go to Calibri and make it into a Mobi file. That's it. That like, is amazing. I love that. It's like it works pretty well. <laughs> it's like it's one of those things that you're like, that's never gonna work. And then it works, and you're like, you mean I can just do this? Yeah. Wow. I'm just okay. I'm just making a web page that happens to turn into a book. Yeah, that's literally it. So I did open source this. It needs to be updated. But I did open source like ninety percent of what it's here, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna update it, and oh, you can also add CSS to the EPUB, by the way. Nice, <laughs> nice. What uh, is no. um? What's the name of your package for it? It's Gatsby Starter Book. That's literally it. And then it has, yeah. So I think it's missing stuff for like the uh, uh, chapter creation for the EPUB. Okay. And it's missing the dark version. That's about it. That I need to add to it. I love it. That's. That's very exciting. I'm gonna have to check this out because I've like I've always thought it'd be fun to like make a book. I mean, just to say that I did it, even if it's just like a shit book. Um, and so, like maybe this would maybe this would be the tool that I need to just kind of get over. It's a Markdown there. file, man. Yeah. If you want to use MDX, you can also use MDX. I just use Markdown because I didn't have any React components. I think I'm gonna add one. But yeah, it's just Markdown that renders into a page with Gatsby. <sighs> I freaking love it. I freaking love yeah. it. It was actually an idea from a friend of mine here uh, that also wrote a book in German. And I was like, how did you make it into a PDF? He was like, Puppeteer. And I was like, what? <laughs> Dude, Puppeteer is the magic. Boy. You're such a smart boy. <laughs> wow. It's true. That is one of those technologies where I feel like if I could, like, I, I'd be winning if I had a really strong grasp of Puppeteer. You know what's weird that I'm getting a huge grasp on in my life is Cheerio. I don't know if you know Cheerio. Oh, yeah. It's jQuery for a note. And I'm like, I'm yes. like, like, I understand this now. Like, I don't know why, but I keep having to go back to it. Like, for some reason. <laughs> oh, it's People totally, keep yeah. sending me HTML strings. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I used Cheerio heavily when I was, like, doing our um, icon stuff with uh, SVG manipulation. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's it works great. It works great. Cheerio is amazing. It's the best thing. Like it's insane <laughs> how many times I've used this. It's insane. Like for everything, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like you say, like jQuery for Node, and you're like, that is stupid. But no, it's awesome. It's awesome. I love Cheerio. It's great. <laughs> it's it's just great. Well, hey, I could talk to you all day, all night, but I know it's getting kind of late in your time zone. And uh, uh, can you know, I just say something? Yeah. Just one thing real fast is that I, I, I added, I don't, you can't see it from where you are, but I added a purchase parity power on the website and that I want to tell people how I did that because I think it's important that we kind of start doing that, like start realizing that things don't cost the same in every place. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, definitely. So tell me a little bit more about the idea. I'm not familiar with the purchase parity power concept. Oh, so uh, purchase parity power means like something, $10 is not the same in the US as it is in India, for example, like someone in- Gotcha, yep. Yeah, it's just the cost of living in a place and how much money the person makes. Like $10 for you is not a lot. Like $10 in the US is not a lot, while 10 euros in Portugal I can eat for two days. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, one day, lunch and dinner. Um, so like- it depends a lot on where you're from. And, and the thing is, like, there's not a lot of open information about this. But one thing that you can do, and I'm not sure a lot of people know about this, and I found out this by accident because I moved and then started paying more, is Spotify <laughs> does not charge you the same whatever country you're in. Spotify actually does parity purchasing power. I used to pay $6.99, and now I pay $9.99 from Portugal to uh, Germany. So you can get the Spotify prices and do it yourself and it's great and i think like we kind of like need to start it's something that i think okay so that's the thing if i sold my book for 30 dollars in india no one would buy it sure and if they did i would honestly feel terrible about it so it's <laughs> yeah. like i think it's like seven dollars with the purchase which i it doesn't make me feel like shit so like i think that we all need to kind of like realize that things don't have the same price everywhere and that just because it's cheap for you doesn't mean it's cheap for everyone like $40 may not be a lot for me now <laughs> right but if you told like 19 year old Sarah she would be like I don't have $40 like I don't know what you're talking about I don't have a credit yeah. card <laughs> yeah and, and and I mean it makes a big difference too it's like you know a lot of a lot of developer content is priced for not even the individual buying it, but the company buying it through some kind of, you know, like continued yeah. education stipend. So it's like, oh yeah, it's like, you know, $150. Like, that's cool. Like my company is going to pay for it. Exactly. And that's like, so what I wanted to do was build a book that I'm never, I don't think I'm going to get rich with this book in any way. I also don't know what's the threshold for rich in Germany. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> uh, is it like, it's Merkel level. It's like chancellor level. That's when you're rich. Um, no, it's when you have a personal German speaker, you know, that you can just call and they'll go with you somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but my idea was that I think a lot of these pricings, as someone who has a full-time job, need to also be done, taken into consideration, like how much people can spend as an sure. individual, and not yeah. assuming that everyone is in a company, kind of. Yep. And, like, and that company can afford it. Like, there's also a bunch of people that are freelancers, like... People have their own company. Like I technically have my own company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that notion. I, I to be honest, I, I was completely naive of it until you mentioned it right now. So I appreciate you kind of expanding my mind to think about that. How did you actually implement this? Because I mean, you've done everything for actually implementing this book. I'm curious, like, how do you actually change that pricing based on geography and whatnot? Oh, uh, so I use that's most of the reason why I use Next actually for for the get initial props thing. Okay, it goes to an IP address. It goes to an IP service that returns where you're from, which sometimes fails, but it only fails the other way around. Like it gives people discounts they shouldn't have. <laughs> so I'm like, at least okay. no one is yelling at me. So that's nice. I don't care. I have a full time job. Um, it'd be worse if there was yelling. Uh, so basically, what I did is I crawled all the Spotify websites. But most of it was done, a lot of it was done manually because the Spotify websites uh, have the current, the price in their own currency. Okay. So like it's in euros, for example, which then I have to transfer to dollars to get the percentage of how much that is. Gotcha. That part was done automatically, you know, math and JavaScript. And <laughs> then from there I use Paddle, but I think that's the thing everywhere. You can create coupons through the API. So I made a CLI. I didn't make. I made a. I made a CLI. It was a JS file with like thirty lines. Lol. Uh, I made a JS file with thirty lines that basically went through this JSON file that I had and pushed everything as a coupon, and then oh, wow. it matched. Is the is the three? So and I also used the three letter code from the countries because some of them have two letters and some of them don't have two letters because the two letters are very common. Mm -hmm. And if the three letter country matches the one that I get on the IP, you get. To show, you get shown the, the coupon code for your country and you get a banner at the top saying like, hey, I see that you're coming from India, for example. This may be a bit expensive. You can use the code blah, blah, blah to access. I think they have like 75% discount or something like that. Oh my um, gosh, I love that. And I want to say that like it wasn't, it was kind of hard, but I can share all of this. Like 
I have all of this data, uh, and I can share all of this data if it helps anyone to put this oh, yeah. on their website. Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to see it personally. Um, ha, ha, like about how many discounts did you end up setting up? Like what, like, like how many total discounts does this represent? Like when you account for all the countries that you're discounting for? Uh, I don't know. Let me go to the data. I don't know how many things this has. <laughs> also, like something really bad happened that I felt terrible was that there was a bunch of countries that I assumed had Spotify and turns out they didn't. So I didn't add them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. No, they have it now. So it's fine. <laughs> I think this would be like an amazing resource and I'd love to link it if we if, if we can. Yeah, I'll um, create a, yeah. a gist for it. Like I'll send you I'll send you a gist for it. Okay, cool. Uh uh coupons. I don't think it says. I have six pages of coupons, so it's a lot. Woo! That is a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. I'm still scrolling. Yeah, well we'll we'll link uh we'll link what you got, um, because I think that that'll be, you know, super fun to see. And uh you know, if you're if you're listening and you can afford the thirty dollars, turn that VPN off and buy it for thirty bucks because it's worth your worth your money as someone who has thirty bucks to spend on React education. You know what's the amazing thing? A bunch of people have messaged me saying there was a bug because they got a code they shouldn't have. Oh, nice! Yeah, which is insane to me. Like, I was like, a Portuguese person would never do this. No, I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> it says a lot, I think, about our industry as well, that a lot of people yeah. have actually messaged me and they were like, well, this says I'm in South Africa and I'm in the UK. And I was yeah, like, that's a yeah. weird one, first of all. <laughs> and there were two people that were not from Poland that were being registered as Polish. And I'm like, what? Odd. Turns out Orange Odd. in Europe is Polish. <laughs> so like, they all get registered as Polish. Oh, well, it's life. But um, yeah. Cool. And honestly, if you're from the US... Or whatever, and you can't pay it. Turn on a VPN, like yeah. Not maybe maybe you know like Portugal or something. I'm kidding. Port- <laughs> I like how it's like you've got <laughs> you can like pick a country based on uh, the discount that you want to give. Actually, the Portugal one is different from all other discounts. <laughs> Just because it's like it's it's connected deeply to your heart. This is for your this is for your fam. It was literally where I was born. You know, like it that yeah. creates a, a link in you. No, it's a football one. <laughs> Because like it's our it's our biggest export, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's not the code, but it's about Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> because you know that's what we get. That's what you got. That's your claim to fame. Everyone's got everyone's got something. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for like just talking through the high level topics of your book. I really hope people will buy it. I hope people will like it. Like I really want to hear some feedback, and I hope people will like it. To be honest. Yeah, get it, read it. Let Sarah know what you thought of it. The opinionated guide to React at uh, opinionatedreact.com. Do you have a a, a poenated uh, React like alias? No, it's not linking or- to that one. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to disappoint. I can do that on Namecheap if you want, like real fast. <laughs> well, hey, is there anything you want to leave us with today, Sarah? Uh, no, I think we talked about everything. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Well, hey, it is always a pleasure. Uh, you know, if you have ideas for Sarah's shirt. You know, let us know. Yes, please let me know. I am super in for that. Just ping us on Twitter because we got to, you know, she's a, she's a superstar and she gets no reward for it right now. So we got to, we got to <laughs> remedy that. It's my Lego <laughs> set. That's my reward. <laughs> awesome. That's about it. Thank you so much for having me. If you do buy my book, please let me know if you liked it or anything you want to see in it. I want to keep building upon it. And also yeah. you, Michael, if you see, if you get it, uh, let me know what you what you would like to see in it, and like, what are the opinions that you think are like just shit, <laughs> pretty much. Oh yeah, I'm I'm buying it. I'm buying it right now, full price, thirty bucks. No, dude, I'll co- send you. Co- okay. No, 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 no. I can. I, I'm an adult. No, it's it, it, it's it's worth it. I I'm an I, I'm an adult. I can I can do it. I want I want to support you. We're, Thank we're doing you. it right now, <laughs> live. Thank you. I I, I I get notifications on my phone when someone buys my book. <laughs> so you're gonna know if I'm full of shit right now. Okay, someone bought it in Brazil and Mexico, but that's not you. That's not me. That's not no. me. <laughs> well, hey, Sarah, this is always a pleasure. Uh, I can't wait Wait until uh, next time when we get to chat again. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously, this has been really fun. <laughs> <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. This has been episode 107 of React Podcast with Sarah Vieira and Chantastic. For links, visit reactpodcast.com slash 107. Thanks to our sponsor, Infinite Red. If you have a project that's gone off the rails and needs expert help, 
Get Infinite Red on your side. They've been designing, building, and shipping apps for 10 years and want to bring their expertise to your apps, products, and services. They have a deal right now where you get $750 for referring a new project. Get expert help from Infinite Red at reactpodcast.infinite.red. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.